Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text is the Gospel reading from Mark chapter 1. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, how can the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ be a highway built in the wilderness? A highway in the desert? That is the picture that we get right from the get-go in the Gospel of Mark. You heard it. Mark 1, verses 1 through 3. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now we Michiganders hear the word highway and jokes start to fly, don't they? Yeah, you know these jokes. You do. You do. Uh, let's see here. Uh, it's not pure Michigan. It's pure potholes, right? Yeah. Uh, what is the state bush? Oh, you know. Uh, construction barrels. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, here's the classic. Uh, we only have two seasons in, uh, in Michigan. We have uh, winter and uh, road construction. You are good Michiganders. Thank you. You did not disappoint me this morning. Not that you ever disappoint me. <laughs> oh, come on. Lighten up a little bit. It's Advent. Today, we get a positive image of highway. A positive meaning for highway today. Uh, that's what we get from the gospel reading this morning. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ is a construction zone. A highway is being built, not like I-75, thank you very much. A highway not built in a populated area. A highway not built connecting cities. A highway not built using earth movers and road rollers, a highway not built by guys named Bob saying, yes, we can. <laughs> now this road kind of sounds like make-believe at this point, but it's not. This highway that we're talking about is more real, more enduring than I-75. Thanks be to God. It's a highway that reaches every human heart. Hearts that are wandering in the wilderness. Hearts that are stuck in E-X-I-L-E exile. And it's been that way ever since Genesis chapter 3. It's the only, it's the only, only heart there is, folks. It's the only one there is. Conceived and born in E-X-I-L-E, exile. Now we can deny, distract, defend, deflect. That's deadly. A voice wakes us up to reality so that we go on living eternally. And that voice, dear friends, is uh, John the Baptist. John the Baptist is God's megaphone rousing a deaf world. 
John the Baptist announces his highway building project, God's highway building project, in the wilderness because exile, E-X-I-L-E, exile, is our common shared experience. E, estrangement. X, xenophobia. I, injuries. L, lost. E, emptiness. Next to a muddy creek named the Jordan River, John the Baptist sets up shop. Far away from convenience, commerce, comfort, he sets up shop in the middle of nowhere so that we are stripped of all distractions and we hear his message. Verse 4, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. A baptism of repentance. Um, Kevin McAllister isn't the only one who is home alone. <laughs> we are all home alone. Actually, it's worse than that. Kevin McAllister had it much better, even with two thieves, robbers, coming at him. <laughs> we are actually not home. Only alone. And that's why John the Baptist proclaims this baptism of repentance. That word repentance means a return, a coming home. And that's good news for us because we walked out of our home with our first parents, Papa, Adam, and Mama Eve, and now we can't get ourselves back home. We know this is not our home. We feel it in our bones. We sense it with our senses. As far as the eye can see, exile is all, is all there seems to be. Estrangement, xenophobia, injuries, lost, emptiness, estrangement. We have felt it. Alienated, ignored, not heard, seen. No place to belong. Scientists, they actually did a little experiment to really make this point that uh, we need human connection. We need a place of belonging. And so they used the game Catch. <laughs> yeah, you know the game Catch. I'm looking at you, okay? I wish I had a ball right now and throw at you, but I don't. I don't. I can throw a Bible. That might, that might, that might hurt. So, Lisa, Catch! Throw a ball. Well, so they brought a bunch of people together to play Catch. One condition. One girl wasn't going to have the ball thrown to her. Now, she had no clue whatsoever. And so the game started. And this girl, pretty excited, right? The ball is going to get thrown to me eventually. But as the game went on, she realized the ball wasn't going to be thrown to her. She was left out, left behind, left alone. All hope Bye-bye, toodles, so long. All hope annihilated, destroyed. Defeated, deflated. She took her ball and went home. Well, she didn't have the ball, but uh, she went home. She quit. Why keep playing? She wasn't included. She was excluded. Now, this game gets at a human need. We are all hungering and thirsting for connection. We all want someone to ask us, how are you doing? How was your day? 
We all want someone to eat with, share life with, and thoughts with, and ideas with. And when we're not getting it, we cry out, Where are you, Wayne? Where are you? Linda, where are you? Becky, where are you, Carl? That cry for, that cry to be seen and to be heard and to be known can quickly become a cry to God. Where are you, God? Estrangement with guys and gals and even God. And loneliness sets in, a loneliness that actually fuels xenophobia. Now, it's a big word. All it means is fear of the other. That's all it means. And this loss of connection, dear friends, raises our suspicion with the people around us. We can start thinking, well, I don't want to actually count on this person or that person, this group or that group, because, well, at the end of the day, all I have is me, myself and I. They're going to let me down. Plus, you know, they're just out to get something. People using people. I'm just going to keep to myself, thank you very much. It's so easy for us to reduce people to threats and bad bets. We have reasons for this. Wounds that are deep. Injuries. Injuries. We have all been wounded, injured by, by someone who said, I love you. And what do we think? That should never have happened. But if we're honest with ourselves, and you know, we should be always honest with ourselves, right? We should be. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Obvious. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. We should always be honest with ourselves. We have hurt people that we love. Cuts are deep. Lumps and bumps all around. And it leaves us feeling so lost. Why am I here? What's my purpose? Where do I go now? And we have this this gut that just, you know, growls and growls and growls, just, you know, emptiness. Pleasure, power, profits, products, none of that actually sticks to the bones, ain't filling. We're so hungry and thirsty, can't get no satisfaction. It's like a diet of air. We're hungry and thirsty. Exile all around us, exile even in us. But it doesn't last, thanks be to God. We're not stuck in E-X-I-L-E, exile. We have a Jesus who actually comes straight to us in our exile, builds a road, a highway, right into our exile so that he can give us a homecoming that is worthwhile. The days of exile, dear friends, are numbered. <coughs> and the folks in the gospel reading, they get it. That's why they're flocking to Jabeth, John the Baptist, in the middle of nowhere wilderness. Because they realize their prayer is about to be answered. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. That mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Jesus is coming. Homecoming is real. And Jesus can pull it off. That's why the folks are... Doing a cannonball into the Jordan River. 
And they're confessing their sin. They're confessing their need for Jesus. They're telling the truth. Exile ain't doing it for them. Mark 1.5 And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. They want to go home! So do we. After all, this isn't permanent. There is a homesickness that nags and gnaws in you and, and in me, and, and, it, and it gets, gets worse as we, as we get older. Now, I don't think any of you here are showing your homesickness with your uh, diet and dress, but John the Baptist does. Check out this guy. He, he definitely does not shout that gap, okay? Definitely doesn't. Verse 6. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locust and wild honey. Probably the wild honey, honey is to cover up the, the bad taste of crickets. I don't know. John the Baptist isn't getting too comfortable in this world, and we aren't either. We are not getting too comfortable in this world. Jesus builds a home. A house. Ah, Jesus builds a highway. There we go. There's the H word I was looking for. Jesus built a highway to your heart and mine. A highway, a road to lead us home. And he can do it. Jesus has the muscle and the mercy to overcome our exile at Calvary and thereby make homecoming a reality for you and for me. Exile is not the last word. You know what the last word is. And you heard it in the epistle reading. You did. 2 Peter 3.13, according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. New heavens and new earth. That's the home that we're moving towards. All of time is flowing to this new home, new heavens, new earth. And we will get there on the last day. And as we, as we go there, we're going to be asking a question quite a bit. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Sounding like annoying children in the backseat, pestering mommy and daddy. Thanks be to God, our Father who art in heaven is very patient with us. And, and he actually likes hearing that question. Are we there yet? Because one day he will answer that question. When the J-Day, Judgment Day trumpet sounds, yeah, we will finally arrive in new heavens and new earth, and the wait will be worth it, folks. Righteousness will, will cover every square inch of the new creation, which means that everything wrong in exile here will be made R-I-G-H-T right. Perfect. The very good spoken over creation in Genesis 1 and 2 Spoken over the new creation, everything will be as it should. Very good. And this is possible because of Jesus. He's fully capable. John the Baptist gives Jesus credentials. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Now John says that he is not worthy to... Uh, Get on his hands and feet and untie Jesus' Reeboks, okay? His shoes. That was the role of a slave, a job of a slave. And so John the Baptist is saying he ain't good enough to be a slave of Jesus. What's ironic about that, though, is that Jesus comes to be a slave to you 
and to me. Jesus stoops down. Talk about condescension. He stoops down and he unties us from our sin, from our death, from our exile. He has the ability and, and certainly the humility. We know this from his mission statement that he spells out in Mark chapter 10. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. On the cross, Jesus becomes the greatest slave so that he can free us from our exile and lead us home. Not as slaves, but as sons and daughters of, of God. His mercy and muscle does it. Overcomes our exile at Calvary. Frees us. I mean, Jesus, he suffered all that we could suffer in this exile so, so that he could make a way through our exile. Estrangement. Jesus forgotten and forsaken by both man and God. Xenophobia. Jesus uh, misunderstood. Treated as public enemy number one. Seen as nothing but a bad bet and threat. Injuries. Oh yeah, he had those. Jesus railed and nailed, stapled to the cursed stake, run through with the blade of the law, condemned in your place and mine. Lost, Jesus dropped dead in our sin and all that gets us lost. Eat. Emptiness. Jesus poured himself out completely and fully for you and for me. Jesus knows our exile better than we do so that he could make a way through, and he did. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Jesus lives. And we meet the risen reigning, ruling Jesus in the waters of holy baptism where he says to you and to me, where he just said to Marina, your days of exile are numbered. Follow me. I will lead you home. Kiss estrangement. Goodbye. Your family now. You're living, it up. You're living it up in my house. You have a place in my family. And look around you! You have so many siblings! So many brothers and sisters. Oh, I know, some of them have quirks. Maybe they rub you the wrong way. A bit annoying. But you can be that too, to them. Isn't it just great, though, to have buddies for the road trip? You need them and they need you, yes, I understand. Some of these brothers and sisters have wounded you. But by my wounds, my injuries, healing begins for you today. Eat my body. Drink my blood. Take, eat. Take, drink, I clean and cover all of your injuries, all of your wounds, those deep, deep cuts with my wounds so that you can go on living and loving and laughing 
together. Now, I know you may feel lost, but you're not. I found you. I will never, ever lose you. Your future is so bright where everything will be made right. And you're going to get there. You're going to get there. Death can't stop you. Nothing in this, nothing in this world can. Because you're not empty. You're filled with me. I pour my unending life into you. You are going to make it home. And not by your lonesome, with, with your family, all of your siblings, together. So wait together. Work together. Walk together. Weep together. Return and keep on returning together. This is only the beginning. My fellow travelers, how true that is for us. How true it is for sweet Marina. The good news of Jesus Christ for Marina has only begun as Jesus washed her onto this holy highway with you and me so that we walk home together and leave exile behind forever. I'm pretty sure that Jessica and Jordan can hear me. I'm going to act like they can. Jessica and Jordan and all of the saints here, we just witnessed the words of John the Baptist come true. Verse 8. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with, with the Holy Spirit. What Jesus gives at the font far surpasses what John the Baptist gave in the Jordan River. And what Jesus gives at the font, he got in the Jordan, Jordan River. Jesus jumps into the Jordan River to fill the font with three amazing gifts. The Spirit dove, the open heaven, the Father's voice, and Marina just got all three of them. Three gifts that she will get to enjoy and unpack and relish all life long. The Holy Spirit gathered Marina into God's family, a family that is on the move toward an open heaven, a family that walks together with the Father's voice booming over them, saying, You are my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. And after the sermon, oh yes, talking to you now, Kelly. After the sermon, Kelly will stand up here and make public her place in God's family. GLC, today the church picks up two travelers, two more, what joy. We are not alone. And we're all well on our way home. So let's go there together. This is only the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ for Marina, for Kelly, for you, for me. Let's go. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.